0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode one four eight zero of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday here in late May. Memorial Day weekend is here, and today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account and use that promo code Lockdown NBA twenty dollars off your first purchase with Game Time. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And also at the top of the show, I should tell you to make us your first listen each and every day, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts: Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And I was going to hold this podcast, but you know what? It's Memorial Day weekend. People have some travel, I'm sure, happening, some vacationing, some beach time, time in the car, all that fun stuff. And it was good to have another fresh podcast. So myself and Glenn Willis are back to talk about Bogdan McDonavich. If you've been missing it in the recent past. This is the, I guess, maybe annual now, Player Capsule Series, where we've been talking about all the pieces on the Hawks roster. First, the supporting guys, then Sadiq Bay, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Johnson's has been published as well. Now we're getting into the rest of the roster, starting with Bogey today. Also had an opportunity to talk to Howard Beck in recent days. I had a mailbag podcast a couple days ago. Great time to listen to the podcast. Really, there's no offseason when it comes to Atlanta Hawks content and coverage, so hopefully everybody's enjoying the show. Without any further delay, we'll get into myself and Glenn was talking about Bogey, but first, the intro to the podcast, and I'll be back myself and Glenn You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. I'm joined again by my friend Glenn Willis to talk about our first old guy in the player capsule series. It's not even that old, but the first non young guy, non rookie contract guy that we'll talk about. And that's Bogdanovich.
1: Glenn. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. McDonovich. is not old at all. I just have to. he's not. On. It's true. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> older, I'm older. I'm older than he is. I'm older really? than he is. It's fine. But, uh, you know, it's, I am making more a point of like, I don't want someone to make me feel old by calling I, him old.
0: I understand. No, trust me. I, I did a, I didn't, did this is a rabbit hole, but it's fine. We're comfortable on this podcast. I did a, an interview was some as another publication thing. And uh, I referred to Clinton bogey as the old guys, just kind of offhandedly. And then I was, uh, I was looking at it and I'm like, Clint's like not old at all. And neither is bogey, but on this roster. And ever since Vince Carter left, Vince was the last Hawk that was older than me. That's his claim. That's his biggest claim to fame. Not, he's not fancy about anything else. He's just the last Hawk that was older than me was Vince Carter. Like they don't have old guys on this roster. They haven't for three years, basically. So here we are. Bogey's the old guy. Yep. Um, So it's sort of a different tone than it is for, in all seriousness, than AJ Griffin or Jalen Johnson or even Sadiq Bay who's on a rookie contract. Bogey, we kind of understand, is not going to get much better from this point forward. It's not like a future. I mean, you have to look to the future a little bit because he just signed an extension. And I guess we can kind of leave with that. He'll be 31 in August. He signed the extension in March. Uh, This is not your forte, Glenn, but I will just say he is not eligible to be traded until September. I get questions about that all the time. It's six months from the extension. So September is the time. If you wanted to look at that, and I would imagine that they were not going to be trading bogey, not, not match, but they're not even allowed to right now. It's, it's the same thing with, with Clint a couple of years ago when he signed the extension. They literally couldn't if they wanted to. But, you know, he signed through 2026. That's a long time for someone who's already in their 30s. Um, he's also making less money every year. And I will just say this at the top of the podcast, that contract, if bogey is healthy, is totally fine. He's making basically the equivalent of six seventh man money, which is the role that he plays on the Atlanta Hawks roster. So long story short, Bogey's still really important. He played about 1500 minutes this year by 28 minutes a game. Once he got healthy, he stayed healthy, knock on wood. He's healthy right now. I wouldn't normally lead with that on a podcast. That's big picture, but I have said repeatedly, I think that's maybe the biggest takeaway of all with bogey is that he's healthy entering the summer. Um, but where, where do you sort of stand with Bogey at this point in time? Uh, he's been around for a while now with the Hawks. He's going to be around for a while in the future, it seems. And uh, he's kind of pretty easily projectable, but maybe uh, maybe there's more nuance than that.
1: Yeah, I think, first of all, I think he's so good at the handful of things he does well. Like, he doesn't do – someone's got – he does 12 things well. He does three or four things well, right? And But those things he does well, he does really, really well. Um, and it's it's interesting for me when Bogey comes up because I, I think some of your listeners may have heard along the way that my in laws are in Sacramento. I probably saw Bogey play twenty times as a Kings player in Sacramento before he ever got to Atlanta, um, and so was it was just kind of captivated to a degree by him, like watching the lowly Kings uh, at the time, the lowly Kings franchise, try to figure out how to integrate Bogey and. Buddy hill like who should be on the ball I'm like that's really <laughs> a pro- that's really a problem you can't figure out like you know um and those sorts of things is kind of fascinating but um but i, I just think he's like from an offensive standpoint a perfect guy to put next to trey and you know and we've talked about uh you know people are probably tired of hearing us talk about it you know the trade of gallo didn't replace his shooting traded herder didn't replace his shooting and we saw the impact once they were able to deploy bogey and bait together in different settings across that time and, and how that really uh, helped Trey uh, a ton. And so, you know, for me, I know he's a guy who often comes up in Hawks fans like, Trey bogey for this or Trey bogey for that. Be I say be careful. Be careful. It is hard to find guys who can shoot at his level with his level of confidence who needs very little space to get his shot up is a guy who's not 6'8, six, 6'9, six, a guy who can do it pulling up on the move, coming off of a screen, running a pick and roll, you know, the versatility he has of all the different ways he can get to his shot is pretty unique and it's it's critical. I know we're gonna talk about defense and how that kind of factors to lineup construction and stuff, but I don't if I'm thinking about the Hawks best interest, I don't think they should trade him. I don't want them to trade him. I think he's absolutely critical. He's a great teammate uh, as well. Uh, he doesn't, at this point in time, he doesn't care if he starts or comes off the bench and willing to let other guys kind of have, you know, opportunities that may mean more to their development, and their early potential and stuff like that. So he's all that together. I, I think he's a great guy to have on this team.
0: Yeah, everybody loves Bogey, which you kind of got into there. And he is uh, hes a really good leader. He's a good voice in the locker room. He will he says what he means. He's not someone who's always going to say the positive thing, but he will say what needs to be said. He's kind of that guy. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure the every day, every episode listeners are going to roll their eyes when I say this, but I'll just say it for everybody else that maybe not have heard this from me a hundred times. Over the last three years, the Hawks have been their best when Bogey is at his best. That is undeniable. It's in the numbers. When Bogey is good, the Hawks are good. And it's almost always been that way. The most obvious and famous example of this is when the Hawks made their run in the second half of the 2021 season. Bogey shot 50% from three for about three months. And not coincidentally, the Hawks were awesome on offense and the Hawks won more often than not for the really the only time in the last three years of record season was that when they got hot then. And it was Bogey was, it was not the only reason. I'm not saying he's the only reason why. But when he's good, he unlocks so many different things. And you got into it a little bit there. I mean, we'll start with the offense. Like, cleaning the glass, this is just this season, had the Hawks being about five and a half points better for 100 with Bogey on the floor. That's a big, big jump. Now, they're also worse defensively, which is part of the conversation. We'll come back to that later on. But not as much. So they were better with Bogey on the floor overall than when him off the floor. And as a bench player, that's even more notable. That means like you know that's what that's the role he's in now. He had one of the best on/off uh, splits on the team. You know Trey is still near the near the top of that list, but you know basically they're better with Bogey on the floor. That was the case in the playoffs as well. He's tough. The shooting is the primary thing. Like I think he's probably one of the 20 best shooters in the league. Maybe, maybe even maybe even a smaller list than that. He's a really 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 good shooter. He's not Steph, but like his highs are very high the volume, you mentioned the confidence. That's a huge thing. It's not like Bogey's ever afraid to shoot. Bogey has a quick trigger and he hunts his shot in a way that I think is very important on this roster because we've seen at times, Bay's the same reason. So we talked about Bay on a previous episode and you to this too, Bay looks for a shot and is ready to shoot and he's aggressive. There's guys that can shoot and there's guys that want to and they're hunting their shots and Bogey really hunts his shot. And, you know, look, he's also been one of their more potent on ball players. He's not always known for that, but he's their third best on ball creator. Like probably it's pretty easy pretty easily. Um right now it's in trade to but Bogey's the other guy that really does that. So uh, I say all that. Like the events, metrics are really good on about his offense, defense, a little bit more mixed. On the floor he's really good. And like there's a lot of production stuff, but it's worth kind of just remembering and noting and focusing on for a second. Like Bogey is a upper for me, an upper echelon offensive player on the wing. He really is. He's that good. He's not a star, but like he's very, very, very good offensively when he can move at all. And the knee is a question, but this year, once he got going, he was pretty, pretty good, pretty fluid. And between the shooting and the ball handling and his ability as a passer and the fact that he has so much gravity, like you can't just replace that to your. I agree with you 100%. You can't just go get a guy off the street. Like you can find a guy who can spot up and shoot it, but bogey is more than a shooter his shooting is, the, is certainly the primary number one value that he has on offense but he does a lot more than that today's show is brought to you by the game time after you've ever been trying to buy tickets to a big event at the last minute it can be really stressful Find out the best idea for your emotions or your wallet and after all the ticket buying process should not be the hassle with well, game time you have the ability to find a fast and easiest way to buy tickets for sports music comedy and theater as well as anything you need tickets for with killer deals, lots of many tickets, their best price guarantee. You can avoid stress and start getting hyped for the actual event that you're going to have and all the fun that you'll have when you get there. Spring is here. Summer is nearing. And there are a lot of things happening in in and around Atlanta. I'm sure there are around you as well. And you can find flash deals with the Game Time app. Also, it's so easy to find tickets that you're looking for for any kind of event. You can also see images of where your seat might actually be. And You have protection if your event happens to be canceled. Forget all the months of planning, get time has of tickets right up to the day of the event. And with the game time guarantee, you'll get the best possible price. If you buy tickets and the for the event in the same row and the same section for any less, you'll be credited 110% from game time of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds and you'll actually be delivered directly to your phone to make things very easy for you. Download the game time app right now, create an account, use the promo code locked on NBA. For twenty dollars off on your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem that promo code. Lock on eBay for twenty dollars off on your first purchase. Double the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It is all about making sure every single player on your roster is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. The next time you're looking for parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit. You'll be sure that every single part that you need actually fits right and does so the first time around add your ride to my garage with a green check to know that the part will be fitting or your money will be coming back to you because you're not just like in sports confidence, is the name of the game when it comes to shopping and really when you look at eBay motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're back in the game in no time. After all, it is very easy to bring home a win when the right parts for your car or truck are actually guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. One more time. That
1: is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eligible items only exclusion supply. And on top of that, like you have a team that doesn't have really a third point guard, right, to turn to there's the Trace Hurt or you know, DeJounte's missing a few games or whatever. You can put bogey. You, bogey can run 25 pick and rolls for you in a game and do it competently, right? Yep. And, it's, and it's rare to have a guy who can work off ball, off screen, spot up, do all that sort of stuff, right, and then come on ball and run B minus, you know, pick and roll for you across the whole game if you need to do that. That's really hard to find right that's really, like buddy hill can't do that like we can go th- we can go through the list of all the you know the the great shooters like seth curry pick and roll is like on a good day of c plus you know um and so we could kind of go th- go through all of that you know and that's that's where he that's where he separates himself from city Bay. Sadiq bay camera really pick and roll right no. and so bogey's versatility kind of comes in that sense which is great because that gives you more ways to um Kind of play, you know, use say Bogey and Bay together, which were they were awesome together, you know, uh, after the trade and all that sort of stuff. But just his versatility. And now, like I said, he only does like three or four things, but you know, spot up, creating his own shot, running the pick and roll, then just doing competent things. If he gets chased off the three point line, he's not like a lot of shooters where he can't kind of work down to the mid range. He's really good working the mid range if he has to. Um, I think he prefers to put up the three, you know, and stuff like that. But he has some. So enough variety to his game, even though he's does kind of the same things over and over and over. He's a veteran who's like, these are the four things I can do. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. and I, you you take one away, I'm gonna go to the next one. But you're not taking all four of them away. And he's one of those guys like these are my limits, and he plays within those limits like really really effectively. And and that's that matters a lot, especially when you have young guys coming into roles where their play is gonna be up and down. To have a stabilizing guy like Bogey is super vital.
0: I agree, and as much as we just talked about like what he is sort of uh, his versatility in some ways, uh, this year was different for Bogey, like it was for a lot of guys. We'll talk about this later with John Collins and other people. With with Dejounte, there was some role some role change you could see in the numbers. It wasn't quite as glaring for go, for a guy like Bogey than it was for some other people, but he had a, he had career low usage, he had career low assist rate, and part of that is just that he just had the ball less because Dejounte had the ball more, and Trey's obviously is going to have the ball a lot, and it wasn't the wrong thing. It's just he used to be in a little bit more of an on-ball role without DeJounte because they, they really had to have it. and now But when they had Trey and DeJounte, there just isn't quite as much of that. There's always a guy on the court without not, – maybe not always, but 99% of the time when they're healthy, there's a guy on the court that's going to be the primary, and it's not Bogey. So that kind of leads to that. But some numbers here. When you remove garbage time, as Queen in the Glass does, the Hawks had about a 120 offensive rating with Bogey on the court. That is uber elite, number one in the league level. Uh, he took more than 11 threes per 100 possessions that's a super super high rate and shot 41% from three that's elite shooter stuff no question about that and it wasn't an outlier he's done this before it's you know not not the first time this has happened um, but he you know he gets to the rim less than ever this year not a huge surprise if you watched him play he's he's gotten a step probably a half step slower. Uh, again, less usage means less RAM frequency. He's been more, he's more of a sh- more of a shooter than he used to be in terms of like as his primary role. So it's like maybe we're getting into the lane where he'll maybe get less as a playmaker and more as a specialist. And he's not there yet, but like that's one of the concerns if you want to look long term. Most of this will not be long term discussion, but like it's it's a four year contract. You know, by the end of it. He'll be thirty three thirty four is he gonna be um you know more of a specialist maybe but also he'll be, he'll be pretty cheap by then like is deals going down all that stuff but like it's just really really useful and look there were a lot of questions and I had some too about why they signed him to an extension when they did uh, the reasonable questions but I think that especially this front office uh Kyle just as an one data point but even Landry like Quinn, I'm sure the way he talks about Bogey is this way. There is a ton of value. It just like the value in having a guy like Bogey, who like like you said before, like I said before, doesn't have an ego. I mean, everybody has an ego, but you know what I mean. Doesn't have doesn't demand touches, doesn't demand this stuff, but like can really do all those things. And then again, you can't have enough shooting. Like wh- before they had Bogey back this year. I mean, r- rewind the clock, Glenn. Remember back to October, November when Bogey wasn't back yet, and how dire the shooting situation was and it wasn't just bogey but just having bogey versus not no other context the team shoot the team's shooting acumen the team's spacing night and day and again it's not just him they needed more than that and i was banging the drum button it wasn't just bogey but man just having bogey made a huge difference
1: yeah yeah for sure and you know it's 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 funny because as we talk i i'm having flashbacks to watching bogey in sacramento i'd be sitting there (laughs) watching a game at the end of the game and, like, it's a one-possession game with under a minute, and he's got the ball. And you can just look at him. This was maybe his first and second year in the league, and he would, you can just tell his, his top process was, I have no idea what these other four guys are doing. I have no clue what these other four guys are doing, but I'm going to create a shot. And he, <laughs> a lot of times he would knock it down. <laughs> the you know, Kings. They, yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and you can – I mean, thankfully he's in a, a better situation than that. But even if you think back to two seasons ago when, you know, when Trey was putting up 30-plus shots in his first playoffs run – you know and there, there are a lot of guys of bogey statures that would have be been like yo, tone it down, you know, or move you know, bogey empowers the guys around him and he instills confidence in the guys around him. And for me, that's a big deal, you know, it's it's it it, it it's it's a lot. You can tell Trey really trusts him a ton, that matters a lot too. Yep. And and so, I you know, for me, like he's one of the last guys I think about training off this team if we're talking about. Making the roster better, having more versatility, more shooting, more defensive acting, whatever. That's not the first guy I think of trading, you know, to kind of make that happen. Because, you know, for me in Bogey and Bay, I think they have two of the best 25 shooters in the league. And, you know, maybe that's not exactly the right number. Maybe it's 35. I didn't do an exercise or whatever, you know, in terms of where Bay falls and stuff like that. But that is that is just so massive for Trey. Just absolutely massive for Trey. And I wouldn't touch it.
0: We, we talked about on, on this on this deep bay episode, which I encourage people to listen to if they have not heard it yet, about just how devastating it was by the numbers, even when Bogey and Bay played together, especially with Trey. Um, but even beyond just that, um, you know, just again, I, I said it before, but Bogey's presence alone, and uh, Bogey plus Trey had a 124 offensive rating, those guys flow. I mean, defensively, the numbers are not good, and we'll come back to that in a second. I promise we're, we're going to get there. But I'm glad you mentioned it because I I, I might have forgotten to. Trey really trusts Bogey, like in a way where it's it's stark, you know, it's it's different the roster different than it was previously, but those guys have always been kind of kindred spirits on the court. Bogey has a toughness level too. Like the Hawks have been inconsistent at times, to be kind, the last couple of years. Bogey is one of the guys on the team that will get everybody ready to go. And will Kind of just make it. i mean, just make it make it plain. I think Clint's the other way. The other one that's like kind of like this. May, maybe John as well. They're like guys. You know, this is this is, this is different. We got to we got to show up. We got to be what it is. And bo there's a toughness there. Bogey played in Europe before he got over to 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 the Kings, playing some high level situations, some raucous environments. He's kind of seen everything at this point. And I think like just having that that guy, that mentality, and that veteranness. Like he's not the oldest guy in the world. He's not Vince Carter, but he's been around. Like he's seen a lot of things. And uh, there's a toughness there too to go along with all of the skill that he does bring. Uh, I have one one note that I actually shared in a Patriots slash here on the other day that I, it's too good to not share. So it's kind of a contrast to the defense. So the defense we'll get there, but Trey, Dejounte, and Bogey don't play a ton together, but they have. You know, especially when they're shorthanded on the wing at times. That I think everyone could probably understand is kind of a flammable defensive group. Uh, they had, a, I believe, it was first percentile defensive rating. They had a 129 defensive rating with Trey Dejounte and Bogey on the court together this year. Now, it's kind of self-explanatory, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's one of those reminders that like there is some limitation here, and like I, I, you and I are very high on Bogey. we we've, I think, I've already kind of expressed that on this on this episode. He does have some weaknesses. Uh, you know, you could argue that given his lack of foot speed at this point, defensively, he might even be better at the three, almost playing the four on defense on occasion. I know you pointed that out before too, um, but also like he, he is not a primary defender on the wing. So when you're, when your two best players are these smaller guards, you can't really get away with playing bogey and, and, and the two guards together. That's, that's kind of a long, long way around it. They're really good on offense, but they're so bad defensively that it's like kind of hard to take. So there are limitations there. And, I'll just say this bogey. I think has changed. I think when bogey got to Atlanta and I'll ask you what you think about this too, in a second, I think there was a misconception that bogey was a bad defender when he arrived. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's the white European shooter thing. Um, and he's never been the quickest guy in the world. But uh, I think that if you watch every game, like we have, he has gotten worse and worse. And I think that, most of that, if not all of it, probably is just physical. It's just the physical ability to He's he's a, he's a half step slower. The knee issues for two or three years now um, to the point where the numbers do not uh, paint a kind of picture of buggy's defense and near does the eye test a lot of time. He's a, he's a smart player, but um, I wonder if you see the same thing. I do like how much worse, if, if at all, maybe you disagree. Um, has he gotten since he got here? Because it's been, it's been three years now and uh, you know, age and all that stuff. But, I think it's be, for me anyway, it's become more pronounced. And I think this year was a different level defensively than it was previously, and not in a good way. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great when I wear Bird Dogs and the stretchy fabric in their shorts it gives me a ton of comfort with the ability to wear the same shorts in different situations without having to worry at all about comfort or functionality. I'm not someone who stresses too much about what I'm wearing, but I also want to look good in what I'm wearing and also have it make sense and feel good on my body as well. Bird Dogs basically checks all those boxes for me each and every time. I am not a dad, but I also hear from dads in my life that perfect pants for dads as well. So if you're doing that sort of thing, it makes perfect sense. So with that said, go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you get there, enter that promo code LockedOnNBA. If you do that, it will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. One more time, check it out now at birddogs.com slash locked Yeah,
1: so so for me, defending the ball, defending on ball has uh, degraded a little uh, for me, but not as much as some might think. There were even games like they closed against Oklahoma City with Bogey defending Shea. I would have bet my house, you brought that up on this podcast, I would have bet any
0: <laughs> amount of money yeah. that anybody could have offered me, and I would have won. So there you go. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> that, that's why you write the, the those articles you do on which lines to bet and stuff like that. <laughs> but, but I mean, if it's a guy who doesn't have like a really good first step, right, or a bursty first step, and Bogey can drop, a little more than you normally do against uh you know ball handler he's smart enough to know which angles guys are going to take and he can kind of manage those angles where it's really different is in space let's say pulling in from the weak side corner coming into tag you know a big roll into the rim and then changing direction and getting back that has really really progressed the ton. and and for me He's a classic guy that, like, okay, you've got to – it's sort of like you and I talked about with Bay in the Boston series that they got better and better and better about adjusting the scheme when Bay went on, getting him out of chase over, straight, you know, kind of man-to-man to getting into more switching and, and getting to it right away. So, for me, you know, if there's not a guy Bogey can put – and credit to, to Nate and his staff, there were times they were just like, we're just going to put Bogey on ball. The other guy – the guy who's running the offense for the team is not so dynamic. But let's get Bogey out of space to kind of get him onto the ball. Let him use his sabbing, you know, and his you know veteran kind of play and his smarts and sort that sort of stuff. And so, like, what was killing the Hawks defensively early in the season was Nate was still kind of doing his thing, where we're packing the paint, and the Hawks just had guys who couldn't run back out to the perimeter. It couldn't (laughs) close out. Yeah, close out. (laughs) You know, as the season went on, even before the coaching change, you could see, and this this was like when. Like John Collins' defensive value wasn't showing up as much. You could see they were intentional about, okay, we got, we're giving up a million wide open threes. So we're going to help less and we're going to ask you to be better at the point of attack. And that would just kind of move the problem to a degree with that roster because they didn't have a (laughs) lot at the point of attack. But they're like, well, at least maybe we're contesting drives or something, you know, with, you know, and things like that. And and that kind of helped, you know, some. And then Quinn, I think, took it even further. Quinn was like, contain the ball, contain your guy. We're not going to pull in you know, from the weak side you know, as much. And it was still difficult, but Quinn was trying to get the, the two defenders one pass away from the ball to pinch just a little bit more and just do this, not things that are going to shut it down, but, but do things that are a little bit dissuasive to a guy thinking, I have this space to attack. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's a long way of saying it's it's going to be a pretty scheme-dependent thing for him to be successful enough on defense to kind of make it work with other challenged defenders. And that's just going to, that's just something you have to manage as a coaching staff. Uh, Is it more switching? Is it putting him on ball versus lesser you know point of attack, you know, guys, it's probably a mix of all. Is it, is it keeping him out of space and not putting him on the guy in the weak side corner? It's probably a combination of those things, but it really is going to, I think be for now, and maybe even become increasingly so, a fairly scheme dependent thing to say for up for success on defense. That
0: makes sense. And I think of Bogey as someone who will do what you ask him to do and he knows where to be defensively. So that, that's, that's one positive is that he he's not incapable of executing a scheme. Like he'll do what you need him to do. He's got great feel for the game on both ends of the floor, but that does show up on defense too. Um, I also think of Bogey as an over helper. Would that be accurate in your mind? I think Bogey's cool. tendency is over. Yeah, it,
1: it's, it's funny because it, it, we go back to that Nets game, kind of down the stretch, where Cam Johnson hit that. I think it was a t- he tied the game. I think like with that oh yeah, from, the right? yeah, yeah. And so, and I was like, "Well, Bogey was the helper. He was low. He He's low, man. And he got to the rim, and I was wrestling with like, was is the, the, what he did was wrong? Like, because he was really urgently getting there. And so I, I reached out to a few like coaches in the league or guys that used to coach in the league and was just like you know what do you see here and to a person they all said bogey is notorious for over helping overdoing helping yeah and they're like it comes from a good place he wants to help his teammates you know right. but especially on a on a high leverage defensive possession he's too early he's too far you know et cetera, et cetera. and so that that's there now on that possession they told me DeAndre Hunter letting the ball get middle was ninety percent of the issue, so yeah, they made sure to point that out. <laughs> um, but but they said this is an issue with with Bogey, and so that what I heard from those folks lines up exactly with what you're saying there, and that that it's an issue. But again, that's another thing. Like I think a part of that is he's not confident in navigating that much space and yeah. changing direction and getting back. So. Oh man, I have to tag. I'm going to get there early because I don't trust myself to like catch up like and be even a yeah. uh, hair late at all. And then can I get back? Do I am I even going to try to get back or are we going to X out that, you know, or what have you? And and they weren't organized to X out on that specific possession, but that's where I think it's setting him up for success, scheme based, role based, etc., is it's just something that has to happen for him to play heavy if he's gonna play heavy minutes with Trey and DeJounte, or if he's gonna or if he's to be the guy that plays when one or the other is off. That makes a lot of sense to me. It makes more yeah. sense to me, in fact, depending on what AJ kind of where AJ slots in. You know, but that's that's an opportunity. But there are gonna really be times where you want, for example, Trey plus Dejounte plus Bay plus Bogey to get max shooting on the floor, and you've got to have a plan for that group defensively. For me,
0: it's probably just prayer with that group, but I, I understand. Uh, it's no, I think, and I think you know as much as I threw the number out there about him playing with Dejounte and Trey. Uh, the majority of his minutes this year was with one of those guys, not both, and that that is kind of how they've used him and how they probably should use him as the number two with one of those guys next to him. And that's easier to do now that he's in, that he's in a, a primary bench role. He's basically the sixth, seventh man on the roster. When one of the when you know it was mostly Dejounte coming out coming out first this year, you kind of put Bogey in, and then when Trey sits, you still have Bogey on the court. Um, in the times when um, they had Trey or Dejounte out that night, and they had to use Aaron, they would make sure and smartly to have Bogey on the court with Aaron because Aaron can't run an offense and Bogey can. And that isn't great, but that's more than, like, they had to, they had to be intentional about doing that, and, and they were able to do that. But, yeah, to your point about the defense, um, I, I think it's, this is, I, I don't mean to psychoanalyze, but I think that Bogey is self-aware. I think he knows he's not the, the same, ex, like, explosive athlete that he used to be. Not that he was ever an upper echelon NBA athlete, but I think he knows. He's not quite the same guy, and his brain, you know, wants him to do certain things. He probably... He's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to figure out where where the happy medium is, I guess is what I'll say. And that makes sense. I mean, if you watch him, but look, I mean, there is a world as much as you and I talked about how how valuable he is. They do have to be a little bit cognizant of their other concerns because bogey rarely is the only defensive question on the court, which you mentioned before. Like that's where it gets to be uh, problematic and it's not bogey's fault. But he's playing with Trey, or he's playing with Sadiq, or he's playing with AJ as in current current rookie AJ is a negative defender most of the time. Um, so like that's the roster construction issue. If you want to take just a step back, it's like, okay, we like we obviously love we have we obviously love Trey, we like bogey, we like Sadiq, but can these guys really play together? And maybe the answer is like you said, like you just have, you have to have a, a good plan and it's a scheme shifting plan and i think with quinn you might get a little bit more adapt a little bit more uh, adaptive than you were before which probably helps bogey and i think it helps everybody but uh, i mean that's obviously the big question it's like i think everybody knows by the numbers and the eye test that like when bogey plays the offense is good as long as trey's there too like that's a recipe for really good offense it's just like can you be good enough defensively with and again it's not we're talking about bogey on this podcast so it's framed around bogey but like you know are there nights when he just can't be out there in crunch time? Maybe. But they've they've had a tendency to lean on him, especially when they're losing, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, he's a great offensive player. But, like, okay, if you're up, let's say four, with five minutes to go, you know, do you want to – it's kind of like pick your poison and, and being um, intentional, I think is the word that you used before. That I totally agree with that. that that's, for me, is, like, the lineup construction stuff, you have so many guys – who are not necessarily full on one way players, but they heavily lean one way. You know what I mean? Bogey's not a one Bogie's not so bad defensively. I don't think that I would describe him as a one-way player, but it's getting there. You know what I mean? Trey's the same Trey same thing. And like that's a it's it's a roster construction challenge.
1: Yeah, and I mean Bogie will do things like he'll help rebound, he'll come down and be an extra rebounder. Yeah, he's you physical. know, so he's he's the veteran, he knows like this is an area where I can contribute, you know, well. Yep. And things like that. Into your point, he's physical. He can. He's competitive. He can. Peace. He has
0: good hands too. Like he yeah. he feels the game well. His digs are usually pretty good. Like yeah. his still rates always been solid. Like, um, like um, around two percent. Like he's not a zero. It's just that he's right. limited.
1: He'll even surprise <laughs> you with a block. Like he'll he'll and it's not like oh like I went in and like went for this block against this dynamic. Like he'll be he'll see like oh this is, or I can at least challenge this guy's shot and he'll apply himself it's, a, it's kind of situationally based on who it is, a guy who doesn't have a lot of verticality or a guy who doesn't tuck the rim a lot, things like that. So, yeah, it's fascinating to kind of think about how do you make Bogey plus AJ? You know, how do you make that in, in the next um, next season? The the enduring thing for me uh, with Bogey is, whether it was when I was watching him in the first few years of his NBA career in Sacramento, not caring like what time and score was, whatever, just taking shots, it really stands out to me that Philadelphia series when the Hawks won, you know, in, in the playoffs two years ago, it would be like the third quarter. The Hawks would be down like a million points, and Bookie's like, "I'm still taking my shots. I'm still shooting. <laughs> I'm going to shoot us back into this." I mean, he doesn't feel pressure. He, I mean, he looks like no. a guy who just doesn't feel pressure. And I'm not going to say he's like devoid of feelings. You know, I'm not, he's some sort of like psychopath or something. You know, he's obviously a very engaging guy. He's a uh, very human that his humanity comes across when he interacts with people and stuff like that, but he does not care. Like, oh, we're down 22 points halfway through the third quarter. I'm still taking my shots, and I'm going to make my shots, and then we're going to kind of try to make this – I mean, they don't come close to winning that Philadelphia series without all the things he did in that series. No, to I mean, he carried that offense by himself for like 10 straight possessions sometimes. And there's just no one else right now. Like, can AJ do that in the future two years from now? Maybe. I don't know, right? But right now, like, that's something that not even Trey can do, right? To that degree, Trey just is not experience in high-pressure moments enough yet. Now, is Trey, like get, like what Trey did in Game 5 against Boston, was that, did that remind me some of what Bogey did against Phil? Absolutely, it reminded me of that, right? But Trey also has to handle the ball. Trey also has to get them in their offense. Trey has a yeah. lot of responsibility. Bogey was just like, I'm taking my shots. You know, what's the score? I don't care what the score is. I'm taking my <laughs> shots. And it that really benefited them in that situation. And I think that's, I just think that's something you don't casually, you know, move off your roster.
0: I agree. No, I, I think that there's been, uh, I, I get it. I, I do understand why some of the re- natural reaction is like, you know, do we really need bogey? And part of that's because of AJ. And I think that there's a tendency to just assume those guys have the same role and they, and they don't, I mean, they, they kind of do, but they kind of don't. And I I, I I get it. I mean, AJ's a, as we talked about on, on that podcast, a player that we really like. And I think fans are just like ready for AJ to be a big guy. And I, I, I get it. So and then you throw in the defensive questions and like it, it, it is understandable why people are like, okay, do we really need to move for a, d- a better defender? And you and I had a conversation on the show about like, how do you get the perimeter defensive upgrade with the minutes that you kind of have to assign to Trey and DeJounte and Bogey? And like, there's not enough minutes for that, even if you had that player, yeah. like it's hard,
1: and that's so, why I say it has to be a guard. I think the target is the a third guard who can defend, like yeah, you can really defend guards.
0: And that's the thing. I mean, I mean, maybe you get you know, maybe it's uh, and it's Bogey being more of a pure like playing less. I mean, I'm not saying he has to play 30 minutes a game, and he's been averaging about 28, 29 minutes the last three or four years. You know, he was basically in the same role this year on a minutes perspective that he was in previous years. Once, once he got back up to speed and was healthy, he was the same role. He wasn't starting as, as much as he did previous years, but he's kind of been the same kind of deployment for the most part. I wonder if that changes. I wonder if it, you know, there is a world where AJ's too good and you just have to not play bogey as much or, um or you bring in another guy, another guard. And that guy takes some of bogey's minutes. Maybe he's down to 24 minutes this year. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and by the way, contract wise, that's okay. as long as he's still the same player, not a problem. But um, and we'll say we'll we'll save the contract for winter night. it's not that's not your thing. But it's like, I do think that Bogey is self- aware enough, he just signed an extension He obviously wants to be here. I, I think that uh, there as as the years go on, he's going to play less, I think. it may not be it may not be this year when they start these other challenges and we'll see what the roster looks like. But yeah, by the end is he going to be the same player? The, the math says probably not. You're usually not as good at 33 34 as you are at 30. That's the reality. But that, that's that thank God for declining contracts and rising salary cap. Like he'll be, be he'll be being paid like he's the ninth 10th man by the end of the contract. Yeah. Is, and it,
1: you know. Yeah, and a lot of it might be matchup based like you going up against Cleveland yeah. who has Garland and Mitchell and then and then two big like two guys who are tough at the 4 and the 5. That's one where like on a good team Hey, Bo, you're not playing a lot tonight, right? You go right. up against Miami where it's Jimmy at the four, and then three, you know, guys that can handle the ball, you know, one, two, and three, whatever that is. And, and I know Miami doesn't have the most dynamic guys, one, three, three, but it's just a situation where the other teams four is kind of guard ish, you know, and tough. Okay, maybe you're not gonna, you know, play a lot tonight, you know, and yeah. and you know, and so what else, and again, I'll emphasize again on a good team, that's normal. That's really normal stuff.
0: Watch the playoffs. I mean, there's all. I mean, guys that guys that play in all year long and are good in one series. You get to the next series, and they're not like unplayable sometimes. But like you see that there's somebody playing ten minutes yeah. instead of twenty five, yeah. and it's because of the yeah. matchup. Yeah, you, you got, got Mike,
1: Mike. You got Mike Malone begging darvin him to play the Angelo. Russell.
0: Yeah, that through the media, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, and Bogey's the kind of guy. Especially as it gets older, it's probably going to get more like this. Yeah. If anything, like. There might be matchups where you just can't have him on on the floor defensively. You, you might you might not be able to do it, or, yeah. or 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 in a certain series you have to play him on offense because you just need to shooting that badly. So like there's certain uh, it's matchups is uh it's it's not a sexy answer, but it really does account for a lot of things. It's like matchup based. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that, and that's why it's good to have a good coach.
0: It is very helpful to have a coach like Quinn Snyder. Um, Glenn, anything else you want to say about Bogey before we get out of here? Because I mean, we we talked about it's it's kind of um. It's a challenging subject because, like, I have a bunch of numbers about like how much systems like his offense, and some of them don't hate his defense, some of them do, and on-off stuff. But like, yeah, I think we got a gist about like what Bogey kind of is right now. Yeah. But feel free to add anything else that it, you no, want to say.
1: No, uh, just to recap: is his confidence? It's his sense of just not feeling pressure? It's the Trey's confidence in him, which is off the charts. Is his. Yeah his uh being a good teammate and and moving in and out of lineups or different rotation spot and being just really agreeable about that is 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 really really good for where this team is right now does that change in a year or two from now it could you know but I would say right now I wouldn't try I wouldn't I mean it would take a lot for me to like trade him off of this team he's he brings so much and yeah you do have to be careful about lineup construction from a defensive standpoint that, that NBA head coaches and their staff should be able to handle that reasonably. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, not going to play a lot tonight. And that's okay on a good team. And so I, you know, I think he's perfect for Trey. I think he's perfect for even though he he does three or four things really, really well, there's still kind of a versatility dynamic to him. That's really adds a lot offensively. And um, and I, I just, you know, I, I think he's perfect for, for where this team is right now. So I, I, I expect he'll be back next year. I expect he'll be a a really great contributor next year. And uh, I expect Quinn will um, probably be leaning in a little bit to uh, kind of flexing his time and minutes, like up and down based upon matchup and situation all that sort of stuff. So uh, I really can't say enough positive stuff about him, even though he is what he is defensively. And I think that he tries to give you what you what he can in areas where he can and stuff, and otherwise it's kind of on the coaching staff and his teammates to help him.
0: Yep, no, I, I agree with that synopsis and uh, also about the fact that he'll be on the roster. I mean, like I said at the top of the podcast, he is eligible to be traded in September. Uh, I would certainly um, say it's much more likely than not that he is not traded, just logistically. I mean, in addition to everything else that we said basketball-wise, which I agree with, it's really hard to make a kind of a bigger trade in September.
1: Like, most business yeah. is done by then, so like... yeah. yeah. The only way that works is if a trade is made in really in August or something. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess they could they Yeah, the, they, they, the, they Andrew Wig, the Andrew Wiggins trade, like when he was – Yeah, you know, and that does that, happen, you know, but like
0: the, the go-to example of that is literally Andrew Wiggins, which was how many years ago? Like that it doesn't happen very often.
1: Eight, nine, what are we right. now? Yeah. So
0: uh, it's possible, but yeah, I think for all the talk about Bogey, uh, you know, could be available. Look, what I bet on him finishing the contract – in Atlanta, that's four years. I mean, probably not. I mean, most guys don't. <laughs> that's a long time. But as far as like starting the season in October, I think I bet on of you. So. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, Glenn, for doing this once yeah. again. We have we have many more guys to come. Although we're making some progress on our player capsule series, and again, I thank you for all of the time talking about all of these players. Where can folks find your fantastic work?
1: Yeah, eight tail and twenty nine podcasts. Uh, your friend and me, Kevin and I, try to do <laughs> good work over there. Uh, piece three hoop still supporting that group as much as I can. And then at well, on on Twitter and uh, um, love, just enjoy conversation. Even if I think your take is kind of pretty wild, <laughs> still, still love talking with you about it and, and exchanging ideas and keeping it fun. So find me there.
0: There are wild takes on the internet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, thank you, Glenn, for being here as always. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Ratings and
1: reviews appreciated. Follow Glenn's work and we'll see you all next time.